1: October 17th, 2019, here on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola starting things off, but like always, the main man right next to me, Mike Abadir. Mike, um, so much going on, and I, I, if uh, if I have a moment, can I have a, a little rant after you uh, you have uh, say whatever's on your mind? <laughs> Would well, do you want to just take that rant uh, f- floor right now? I'm coming off the worst From from a volume standpoint, so if we're talking about, like, when I say worst, I mean from a betting and from a sports fan rooting, like, 10 days that I've ever had, and that probably most people would, like, would be, like, a bad year or a bad couple years, and this is kind of how I go, but in the last 10 days, started off with the Rams, they lost on a field goal that line missed. That they should have won that game first They ended up losing twice in that 10 day span The Dodgers were up 2-1 in their series They ended up losing USC lost by a field goal to Notre Dame in a game They actually played pretty well And there were a couple pretty bad calls that hurt the Trojans So as far as my rooting interests are concerned All of the ones, and in particular the Dodgers Who I expected to go far this year That one, that one really hurt And then from a betting standpoint Last week on our show I was 0-6 with the NFL plays After like you know, my, the numbers are actually still aren't bad for the year. I've actually had a pretty, i was had a really
2: good start to the year. No, and no, your you're week, and, and we didn't, we've we been so busy, we haven't had a temp, like a chance to highlight it. Your weeks two through five were really, really solid. But we'll get into that later in the show. But go ahead, continue. So
1: it's was 0 for 6 in that. On my show, that's what G said. I went uh, the same 0 for 6. I went 1 and 2 at the college place, and I gave out five horses, and all five of them lost. I don't think a f- one of the five finished in the top three. I think there were two of them that ran fourth, and like all of them ran their race. They weren't even like excuses. They like ran their race. Like three of them had like two length leads at the top of the lane and just stopped, just bad. Um, so it was just.
2: And, as- and not not to pile on Gino, but you actually uh, I don't remember if you sent me a text or maybe it was a tweet. I think actually, um, that was quite entertaining, quite funny, and almost mathematically an impossibility. Which was it, regarding
1: fantasy football? Oh yeah, the uh, you were mentioning they got four teams out of my five that I play with that okay. had the de- the fantasy defense of the Patriots who who got twenty eight points to start the week. So in four of my five leagues, I'm already behind the eight ball
2: with you know and, and that, was, of, that was that was a Thursday night that game was Thursday guys night. so going into Sunday Geno's <laughs> already down 28 nothing from a freaking defense
1: and i think in 3 uh 3 of those leagues they also had Edelman who that's fine you know i understand that some position players are going to get big scores you 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 expect that it's when your defense slaps you in the face a defense smacks you in the face like that and then i was sending you some of the stats on how good the patriots defense have been this year they're literally like equivalent to like a a wide receiver two or three yeah is like as as a uh, valuable as they've been. But yeah. So, like
2: if we, we could go back and redraft, you know, if somebody took them late in the first round or in a
1: second round, it would be, a uh, not a stupid move. Yeah. So, uh, really, I mean, you know, you there, you're going to have bad days a lot. And then the, when the, the teams that I root for just had a bad feud, uh, about a week or so too, on top of it, it was like, there was just nothing really to turn to. <laughs> in sports and at the end of Sunday when I was like watching, I was telling people because I had the Chargers as the last game, you know, in the, in the as the last game of the six and after I saw what happened because there were like one or two games that I was especially the Browns game was a stinger because that game they really should have won the, a couple other games I just got straight beat which is I'm, I'm fine with and then I could just tell the last game I was like the Chargers are just going to get crushed. I can just feel it right now. I love them. I play them. I told everybody else play against this because I've just been having such a bad day now. So, uh, I guess uh, I know. I know for one thing. This week I'm gonna I'm gonna give out three games, so it can't be worse. <laughs> no, it, it actually really <laughs> factually
2: it guaranteed not <laughs> to be would not to be worse.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, let's um. You know because you know we're uh you know a few minutes away from uh, game three of the ALCS. Obviously, yesterday the game was rained out at Yankee Stadium. A lot of uh, rain. Uh, in the New York area. It looks like it's dry right now. It looks like they're going to be able to get this game in. Just uh, quick thoughts on the team that uh, swept their way through the National League Championship Series, a team that you've been kind of high on really since the beginning of the year, and they just really have turned it on in this postseason and have proven to be dominant. I take back some of what I said, which was I really think that the most entertaining World Series is, you know, obviously will involve the Dodgers and, you know, that that's not happening. But if not the Dodgers in St. Louis because of their history, but I take that all back, man. Their hitters are starting to hit and their p- pitching is coming like just totally come around to be what it's supposed to be in these last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, they have a they have enough. Um like their lineup has enough and their pitching can obviously really carry them. Like when you look at this was this is the template that they want to win a series, right? They have four games, obviously, and, and they're, they're not going to sweep most series. They're in, in in a best of seven. But they come into this game, and what do they get? They get good outing from Strasburg, good outing from Scherzer, and then a great outing from Sanchez that you're not expecting. And you get seven innings from each of them. And then right off the bat, that you're only getting two innings out of the bullpen. So they're not... That's what's... The, the weakness of washington that has had been their weakness throughout most of the year especially before they made the move and they were able to get hudson to kind of help secure the back end of their bullpen was their bullpen was closing games you know you can't play this game all year but you can play it like we said in short series and what they what did they just do they just turned the best of seven into a four game series that was even shorter than the best of five they played so anytime they can shorten these series, they're gonna be in great shape because they just it, it just puts them in a spot where like you mentioned They just need a big hit from Rendon or Soto, who struggled a little bit in this series. It was Kendrick who came up with some big hits for them in this series. They have a couple nice veterans who, you know, you're not afraid when you see um, whether it be like Zimmerman come up or even like Carpenter, who had a bad year. And, you know, uh, Goldschmidt, you always expect a little bit more. He had a really bad uh, series. Sorry, Kendrick. I'm talking about Rendon. I'm talking about, like, they're built. Taylor's had a really good series. Zimmerman, like... I was, you know, from the beginning when we talked about what a big upset this was. I, I was never on that bandwagon. I mean, I just thought this was a really well-built Washington Nationals team. And let's face it, man,
2: hitting and winning is contagious, right? When when all your uh, mates uh, up and down the lineup are starting to hit, it really is a contagious feeling. Mm-hmm. You hear baseball players talking about that all the time, and so. And that's why it's not a surprise. In the postseason, you do see a lot of veterans that maybe um, during the regular season are not like great everyday players anymore or like they once were. But you see it all the time where the vets really, really are able to string together excellent postseasons year after year. Um, You know, David Fries did it when he was young, but then he also did it again when he got older and he wasn't an everyday player anymore. You know, you see it all the time. You know, as long as I've been a baseball fan, we've seen these type of things. The Nationals have three of those types, you know. And 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 you mentioned, you know, obviously Kendrick has been huge back-to-back series now. But ah, uh, you know, Zimmerman and and even guys like Jan Gomes that have been in the league for a while have come through with some clutch hits. So it's pretty cool seeing a team come together in this way and be so dominant. And I really think that regardless of who comes out of the uh, American League. You know, we're probably set up for a really good World Series. I'm going to say it's
1: probably going to go seven. Yeah. And regardless of who's there. And every run is different, right? Like some, some runs you're just dominant all the way through. Some runs you have to get lucky. This team had to get lucky twice, even to be here. They were down in the wild card game and they had to get by, they had to get through Hader in the wild card game down two runs in the eighth inning. And then they got through Hater. They come back and win that game in the eighth. They close things out. Then they're down two games to one in a series against the Dodgers, who were the best team in the National League all throughout the year. In a game five, they had to win that game when you're down three to one in the eighth inning. You, you know, they had to come from behind a couple of times. The ball bounces your way a few times. So, and Sometimes it's your year.
2: No, that's an excellent point because there were some journalists that had already started writing uh, a yeah. piece for how the Nationals have never won a series in, mm-hmm. in Washington yeah. you know, during the wild card game. There were journalists that are actually starting to type it out late in the game when Hader came in, and they had to use that delete function, and, uh, and then they're like, okay, we'll have to save that for the next series. And then they get by the Dodgers, and then the next series again, before you know it, they're in the World Series for the first time. Hopefully some of the folks in uh, Montreal are... Uh, sort of, you know, bittersweet moment for them. Um, I always liked the Montreal Expos. I thought it was kind of a cool concept to have this team in Canada, and then the Blue Jays come along as well. But, uh, you know, congrats to their organization for getting there and making it happen. Shifting over to the American League, obviously this is a about uh, a bout of heavyweights, right? This is a, a heavyweight bout between two of the powerhouses in baseball. We expected that these were going to be the two that, you know, are there kind of uh, at the end. And, um, you know, so far, tied up, played out kind of the way we sort of expected it, I suppose. Grinke's on the bump tonight. But I still think that this comes down to if the Astros get even decent pitching, I still think that they're going to be able to take this series.
1: Yeah, I think just getting able the, the rain out and being able to set things up really helped. Houston now um, it, it, they're in really really great shape because if you're the Yankees right now this is game four you're down two to one and you have to go through Grankey, and then you're gonna have to go through Verlander and Cole um, it's just not I, I just we've talked about this over and over with the Yankees I think they're a very good team I think they're a very good regular season team I think the game they had to win the other night they had a very big opportunity to win um, and I don't think you can give away opportunities. Uh, I think game two was a game that, uh, that they had to win. They had the opportunity to go up two games to zero. And, and I think kind of put a stranglehold on the series really early on. And now the momentum shifts and we see it in these short series like this. And it quickly was going to be, it could have been quickly Yankees up two zero, and instead it shifts back. And now it's Astros up two one, they win the night three, one, and you just kind of with their pitching. I just don't under, I just can't see beating this team, you know, like three times in a row.
2: No, I really don't. And by the way, I, I think I mistakenly said one, one, uh, earlier. Um, if I did, I apologize, you know? Yeah. But two, two, one lead for the, uh, Astros. I mean, as it is, it's always going to be tough when you're looking at having to win three out of four. Um, but you know, the Astros in, in my mind, the team with the, the better pitching and an equivalent lineup in terms of production, but constructed very differently, you know, um, I saw a piece, actually, a few moments before we came on the air about Brett Gardner, and yeah, he's hitting just about 200 uh, in this series, actually on the nose, 200, 5 for 25. He's got a home run, few RBIs, three RBIs, three runs, so he's had some production, but what's been different about him this series, and I know a lot of Yankees fans have kind of been uh, really hard on the guy went, I think, 0 for 4 the other night or something along those lines, is he's not... Usually, Gardner is kind of a, a feisty at bat, fouls off a lot of pitches, takes the pitchers deep into uh, the count. You know, it's not—it's not a surprise to ever see him taking seven, eight pitches, nine pitches between a good eye and fouling off pitches and staying alive. And he's not doing that type of thing. And because the Yankees have so many bashers in their lineups, if if any one person or two players don't kind of fill the role whether they're the guy that's supposed to take the pitches or whatever the case may be, kind of throws off the equilibrium of the team. Now you're going to give the opposing pitcher an opportunity to get out of an inning in 9, 10, 11 pitches, and you can't do that against the Astros. You really can't. Every at-bat is super, super critical because they're going to outscore you and they're going to outpitch you otherwise.
1: I I was a little... you surprised with surprised with the way that the, the Astros... Series win I just thought they were like a little Too much for the Rays and I, I was kind of surprised that They went game to game five but we, we <laughs> see That in these small series anything can happen But I think the more that they've been able to play Um in the playoffs I think We're like with the team that is good the, the more sample size we get I think we're just going to continue to see this Astros team that has all year long really Looked like uh the best Built team we've had it, What happens in the playoffs and in, in, For the most part is The weaknesses that we think these teams have generally pop up. Now we haven't seen them have to pop up yet, really, for the uh, for the Nationals, and I'm I'm expecting that in a seven game series, whoever they face with the hitting they have will at least force them a couple games to go deeper into the bullpen than the than the Nationals have had to go. Uh, no, and, they, I mean they you know, haven't had to at all. They they, they went the they last two series pitchers in the last. You series. have not knocked out a starting pitcher out of a game yet. No, and they only and the only time they, they used a few pitchers last time was when they had the big lead and when Corbin came out in Game Four, and other than that, it was seven innings, Doolittle, Hudson. Yeah. yeah, that was it. That was it. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if you
2: could go through the uh, first you know two series without having your starting pitchers get knocked out. Yeah, odds are you're probably winning those series. And especially so when, as we've kind of harped on so many times, their weakness, their weak link is the bullpen. And they have not had to go to their bullpen early in any games at all. They got quality starts in four out of the five games against the Dodgers. They got quality starts in all four games against the Cardinals. Granted, the Cardinals lineup just was on a horrific slump. As they entered this series, and uh, and I think a reason for that is the pitching of the Nationals. You know, so you yeah. got to give credit where credit is due. A lot of people were like, the Cardinals bats went silent. Well, yeah, they did, but they probably did because the Nationals pitching is just on fire right now. So I'm really, really looking forward to this World Series. I don't think I've, I've looked forward to a World Series, um, and we don't even know the matchup yet. Um, that it has not involved the Red Sox in a sure. really, really long time. It doesn't involve one of your teams. You know, the really, really long time. Because we don't always get, you know, the two best teams in, in baseball or three best teams. And, you know, we're down to probably the three best teams in baseball right now. So we're going to get two of the best. And it doesn't always happen like that. So, um, and, and the Nationals weren't like your average wild card. You, you pointed that out, actually, to me when I, you know, put out a post saying, well, you know, the Dodgers at home got beat by a wildcard team. And you kind of pointed out, well, hey, this isn't like a real wildcard team. And, and I agree with you. When you have that kind of pitching stuff, you know, it's not like they're a, a, a team that just kind of flukily or luckily got in. Well, you know, and, they, and they, started,
1: they started the season, you know, what, 19 and 31. Mm-hmm. And, and so they played really good baseball for a sustained amount of time. Right, it wasn't like they just got hot for like the last month either, and they've just kind of been riding this wave. Like they've been uh, one of the best teams in baseball for the the majority now of of the season and into the playoffs. So, uh, it's it's not surprising. You know, they the thing with with them is they're not. Their their strength, you know, obviously they're just not as deep of a team, but they're very top heavy. And when you're top heavy, you need your stars to produce, and that's what they've had so far. They've had good series from Rendon, uh, and then that that with when you know you're getting that from Rendon already, and and then you know you're going to get good outings each and every time from Strasburg and from Scherzer. You you know, it doesn't take a lot more than that to w- to win a baseball game. You know, it really doesn't. No. No,
2: it doesn't. I think, I uh, mean, we'll talk obviously more about the World Series uh, in the next show when, you know, we obviously have the uh, matchup solidified. But what I will say, looking ahead in, in my crystal ball, I see that the one thing that's going to hurt the Nationals with the American League um, having the home field advantage because the Astros and the Yankees both have better records is that the DH position, the Nationals aren't going to be able to put someone out there that's going to be able to rival the Yankees, DH, whoever they put in there, or probably Stanton or whomever, or uh, Gary Sanchez, or, you know, uh, uh, there's many options for the Yankees, and the same thing for the Astros. I think that's going to be the one main disadvantage for the Nationals.
1: Yeah, you're right, from a depth standpoint. They just don't have as many... Yeah, I was just piggybacking off of your depth point, and I agree. Yeah, they just don't have as many deep... Bats coming off the bench or guys that can give you, you know, um, like quality, quality shots at a at a, at a long ball. So correct. Um, they exactly right.
2: They're know, Let's use this they're opportunity out, right, right, right now to take a quick commercial Do break it. and uh, we can continue the conversation and also talk a little bit of NFL. Please stay with us. We will be right back.
1: Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN.
3: Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? <laughs> stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspiring really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion
0: counts voiceamerica.com This is the Mike Abadier Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at one 866 472 5788 That's one 866 472 5788 Or send an email to Mike at the dot com. Now, back to this week's program. We have our first guest on the line. Mike, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we're, you know, we're always uh looking to
2: kind of spice things up between baseball and football and during the year it's always a big time pleasure and, uh, and a treat to be able to talk to a player during the course of the season when everybody's busy and uh, we've uh, had the pleasure of having Zach Wood on before. Uh, everybody knows that listens to the show regularly that he's also a client of mine as well. Uh, Zach, good afternoon. How are you my friend?
1: Hey
4: Zach. Good, good. Appreciate you guys having me on.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, hey, look, before we get into uh, the Saints and, and NFL talk and everything, I know there's something else that's making you pretty happy right now. And uh, and I'm talking about the ranked SMU 6-0 and start oh, yeah.
4: to this season. It's been absolutely incredible. It feels good to be an SMU fan now. It's been yeah, a long, no long time. Yeah, you no know? <laughs> Now yeah, have yeah.
2: Now have they been? Uh, when was last time that they were the nineteenth ranked team in the country?
4: Do you even know? I think it was eighty four, not nineteenth, but ranked. I think it was nineteen eighty
2: four. That was during the Eric Dickerson years.
4: Yeah, so it's been it's been a while, you know.
2: Now, so when, what was the best season? Keep it. Yeah, because it seemed like like you guys were turning the corner a little bit right before you left. What was the best season that you guys had when you were there?
4: Um. My best season, we went to Hawaii Bowl, I think, my sophomore year, which was right. 2013, 2014. Yep. And uh, we went and played. Yeah, we were in the Hawaii Bowl and we played Fresno State. And that's when Marcus Hunt was the, the big man on campus, you know, just terrorizing all those offensive tackles. And um, that, that was the last time we had a really good season. after those guys left, it was, it was a tough road ahead for me and for the other guys.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Well... Congrats on that, man! Enjoy it. The highest-ranked team in the American Athletic Conference, six and zero. Don't know how many games are in the schedule, but you guys are probably bowl eligible right now already. So, good stuff yep. there. Yep. So, talk to us. Uh, what's kind of been been
1: the recipe for uh, Teddy's success, man? How? I mean, okay, before real quick. Yeah, go ahead. You know, before. So, like, honestly with us. When Drew goes, when when Drew goes down and you guys are playing the Rams, and you, you have to kind of, obviously, when someone like that goes down, everyone probably feels a little deflated. I'm sure even knowing you're in great shape with Teddy packing you up, you look at the schedule, and it wasn't easy coming up right after that. You know, you have a, tough, a right. couple of tough games right right early on. Like, what were kind of your feelings right there? What was kind of the feeling in the locker room, and how was it able to, to steady so much with this run you've been on?
4: You know, I mean, I think at first everybody was a little shocked. You know, but nobody, nobody was shook. You know, when, when Teddy went out there, we have full belief in what Teddy can do. And obviously losing a leader like Drew, you know, hurts the team, especially with the chemistry he has with everybody on the team, you know, and the way he leads. And, but uh, I don't, I don't think it took, it took very long for Teddy to pick that slack up, you know, and our defense is just playing lights out right now. You know, especially teams, Thomas and, and Will are doing our jobs when they need to get done. And I think, um, through those through those first couple of games, our first four games were really tough, all against playoff teams, you know. And we just found a way to win, whether it be from the offense, from the defense, from the special teams. I think just all around, I think everybody just knew we we need to step it up. And I think everybody has so far.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Now, what what now? What kind of uh, what kind of leader is is Teddy? Is he is he really? you know, we've, look, we haven't seen him in extended action in a really, really long time. So a lot of listeners out there probably kind of forgotten um, that guy came into the league with really good pedigree. I mean, this is uh, he was projected to be a franchise quarterback and obviously had a terrible injury. But, you know, kind of is he is he a loud guy, outspoken guy, you know, kind of leads by example type of guy, quiet leader? Give us a little bit of a flavor as to what Teddy Bridgewater is all about.
4: You know, Teddy's not very vocal but you can tell by his demeanor when he's out on the field that he's running that offense, you know. And um, through the way he's been playing, he doesn't really need to say much either. You know, just he's come out there real humble, real confident, and did the job to the best of his ability, and he's done a great job for everybody. And, you know, we all appreciate Teddy. And, you know, and um, I don't know, it might just be me, but I like like the quiet leader who goes out there and does his job, you know, just puts his head down and works. So I really appreciate Teddy.
2: Now, on the other side of the ball, you know, last year and the year before, you know, the defense was, you know, kind of a pleasant surprise going back to to two years ago. Last year, it was a good defense, but it kind of seemed like sometimes there was that kind of, I don't know how to put it. But, you know, if you face a team with a high powered offense, it was kind of like shootout type mode you know, uh, if they gave up 30, you guys are going to have to score, you know, 31, that type of thing. Seems like this year, there's a lot more consistency in the defense. Do you kind of feel that? Yeah,
4: absolutely. I think our secondary has picked it up big time. Yeah. So, um I feel like there were times where we got gashed a little bit here and there, but I think for overall this year, um, those shots downfield have uh, been reduced. And I think our guys are just playing outstanding, you know, Marshawn, uh, Marcus, you know, Demario Davis having those kind of leaders on the field, and you got, of course, you got pressure from Cam Jordan and uh, the other guys. Everybody's really picked it up, and I think um, we've had we've had plenty of sacks this year. And I think a lot of that's because they can't find anybody open downfield, and we're getting pressure on the quarterback. So I think it's kind of you know give and take for the for the front and for the back of the defense, kind of helping each other out there.
1: A couple of big injuries that are you know kind of. Oh, hanging over the game, heading over to the uh, into this weekend, where quarterback-wise, it looks like maybe Trubisky's going to play for them. Kamara uh, a little banged up. Um, so, as far as like the skill positions are concerned, it's a little bit up in the air. What does that do to like a prep week when when it when you're not quite sure if you're going to have uh, have someone out there on Sunday or Monday, and and how does it kind of change the way the week is in prep?
4: Well, obviously. Camero won't be taking so many reps, but, you know, we have other guys right behind him that are fit to do that job. You know, we got Latavius Murray and um, Dwayne Washington. They can pick up the slack. You know, they're both great backs, and um, obviously they'll be getting more reps this week, um, letting uh, AK get a little bit of rest. But other, other than that, I don't think it really changes the preparation for the offense or for the defense. You know, everybody's um, – Sean always preaches we got a faceless opponent. And um, the only opponent, the only enemy that we have is ourselves. So I think just working on what we do and getting that done every week. Um, the preparation always stays the same.
2: Now, any uh, any insight for the listeners as to you know maybe some real inside information on uh, Drew Brees? When you know is he throwing? Is he throwing a regulation ball or is he still working with a lighter ball? Um, when do you think he might be coming back? Is the team kind of Taking it day by day, or or is there any update that you could give us?
4: Well, I honestly I haven't gotten to watch Drew that much. You know, I know he's recovering really well, and I'm not sure when they they expect him back. But um, every time I do see him, he is doing some type of rehab, or um, you know, he's getting a lot of work in with that hand and and taking care of himself. So whenever they're ready to have him back, um, he'll be back soon. So I'm not really sure exactly when that will be, but. Um, I wouldn't expect it to be in very much longer.
2: Well, when somebody like that is hurt, um, you know, I've always kind of wondered, you know, especially when you're talking about really superstar Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, is he doing more stuff, you know, regarding his hand kind of, away from the team or kind of indoors with physical therapists and things like that. And then he kind of comes out to check our practice every once in a while, or what's, what's the interaction been like? Obviously it was very different when he first had the surgery, but like right now where where what, what level is it at?
4: Well, uh, I think Drew gets his uh, stuff done before and after practice. He's, he's at practice. He's engaged. He's, in, uh, he's involved helping any way he can, you know, and that's, uh, that's just Drew, you know, Drew can't stay off the field, you know, no matter, you know, how he gets his hands in it, he's, go- he's going to. But um, other than that, he's getting his rehab done before and afterwards, and he's out there on the field with everybody.
2: Now, Gino, Zach and I were talking the other day, and uh, really more about scheduling, more so than the actual schedule itself. But um, we kind of pulled it up while we are talking. And, Gino, so after this Bears game, there's the Cardinals at home, Falcons at home, Bucks over there panthers at home falcons again and not until december 8th does the 49ers show up on their schedule and then they close with the colts titans and and panthers you know this this team um you know could potentially run the table i mean uh that's that's where the the power of having a great backup comes into play you know what i mean you know
1: yeah it's just amazing how quickly um not, not that anybody is going to lose or, or that the team isn't, but when you, when you lose someone like Drew, uh, even, even when you have someone like Teddy there, you just never know until they come in and until they produce. And it's amazing. Um, Going out and getting someone like Teddy this year when he had options, right? And it looks like from, from the Saints' perspective and from Teddy's perspective, what a great decision it was for him to like not go to Miami and play over there and to come here and be the backup and have to come in and really help uh, a Saints team, um, you know, sustain a, a a continual run that they've had in the last few years. So, as you mentioned, it, it, I'm sure they're they're thinking about it one game at a time, but this to me is the is the biggest one over the next maybe four or five weeks is as winning this game on the road at Chicago against a good defense. I feel like this might be kind of an old school game because as as Zach mentioned, that defense has been playing so, so well for the saints. I just think the, these uh, two teams are going to be hitting each other in the mouth quite a bit. Yeah.
2: Now in terms of uh, this being an outdoor game, Zach, um, have you guys already looked at the forecast? I haven't looked yet, but is it going to be wet? Is it going to be cold? And do you and uh, Will and Tom do anything leading up to this type of game when uh when you're dealing with the outdoor elements
4: well the, the weather's been changing for the better i guess for the past okay. couple of weeks like honestly we looked i think last week and it was supposed to be you know 68 and uh, it was supposed to be pouring down rain during the game and obviously you, you have a different mindset going into that like okay we need for preparation we need to work on wet ball drill which for me as I, I would snap with a wet ball tom would catch with a wet ball and, um, uh, and obviously we're on a field turf. I mean, sorry, um, field. We're on a grass field. So when we go out for practice, we don't go in the turf in the indoor. We go outside on the grass and we kick out there because, you know, for Will, that's much different approach and different way of attacking the ball, um, on a different surface. So right now, I think the, uh, I think the forecast says about. 60 degrees and sunny, which is great. Maybe a 5 to 10 mile per hour wind, which is you know, perfect weather. If you ask Tom, Tom loves any kind of weather because he doesn't want that negative mindset. But um, we're all looking forward to it. And going into the game uh, with, the, with that kind of weather, we're just uh, ready to play ball. There's not much to, uh, to really take in with that.
2: Now, is there anything fundamentally that, um, that's done differently um, on grass? Uh, let's just start from on your end.
4: Um, uh, no, not really for me. Um, I know for a lot of the other guys, you know, Sean's really preaching, getting the right cleats on, you know, because you go, you go over and watch film from, um, games in Chicago and Pittsburgh or in Green Bay. A lot of guys slip and fall because their, their cleats aren't big enough or they don't, they don't have, they don't have the right shoe on. So they're slipping a lot and it's causing a lot of, um, big plays, you know? both on defense and on offense. So he's really preaching that this week. So I think everybody's going to be wearing, um, you know, cleats that will, you know, that'll really dig into the grass. So, you know, try to um, keep themselves off the ground. But other than that, you know, Tom and Tom and Will, nothing really different for them. Good
2: stuff there, man. Zach, uh, you're almost like a, like a, uh, providing us coaching perspective, like a locker room reporter perspective, as well as the technical fundamental stuff from the special teams. Definitely appreciate it, man. Um, Yeah. I mean, best of luck. This has just been, you know, from my perspective, pretty thrilling because the team has just been on such a good run, uh, not just this year, but in the last couple of years. But uh, hopefully this will be the year that it all comes together. I know there's a lot of people out there that are rooting for that possibility of, getting the two Hall of Fame quarterbacks for one last hurrah between Breeze and Brady. I know you guys are thinking about it one week at a time, but you guys can let us dream out on the outside here. Uh, yeah, I know.
4: We we act like we take it one week at a time, but that would be absolutely amazing. <laughs> and, uh, I should, I should, yeah, I yeah, you know. You you can't help but think about that in the back of your mind, but that would be just incredible. And I, I hope I'm there to
2: watch, you know. so uh,
4: um, Me too. We'll see. Yeah,
2: yeah. Good stuff, Zach. Definitely appreciate you Thanks, taking Zach. the time out uh, during a uh, week where it's not a bye week or anything like that. You have a game in, uh, you know, less than what thirty six or you know seventy two hours or something like that. So much appreciated, man. Safe travels to Chicago. Let's come back with a big W.
4: Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank
2: you, guys. Thank you. That's Zach Wood, long snapper, New Orleans Saints. Always cool to get that insight. Oh,
1: yeah. In during, room.
2: A, a, during, you know, week seven locker room, let's see here kind of what's going on. All the internal, you know, um, just the thought process of of a player, you know, Man,
1: and you look at, you know, I mean, and you you're you have to like we said, sometimes you have to get a little bit lucky. I mean, week one, they have to come back at the end and, and win that game after Watson, takes the lead, you know, in that great Monday night game. And then week two, Breeze goes down in the middle of the game. And so you completely have the right to lose that game on the road. And then you you like you're looking up and it's like, oh my God, we got Seattle on the road and then we gotta go to Dallas. And they beat up Seattle. That score is not even as close as as it was. Like no. Seattle scored, I think, a touchdown on the last play of the game to make it a one. It was like never even close. And they really beat up Dallas in that game too. And it, you know, it sent
2: kind of Dallas into a little bit of a tailspin. I know absolutely. they've got some injuries and
1: stuff too, but they haven't recovered since. Same thing in the Tampa game that Tampa scored, I think, with 12 seconds left because you had Godwin in that game, and that was one of the reasons why you beat me in fantasy. You (laughs) scored a garbage touchdown with like 12 seconds left in that game that was so meaningless, but you ended up beating me by like five, and that was the difference. That was one of the the three or four things that swung your way. Yeah. He, he, like, he, they stopped Minshew Mania, you know, like Jacksonville has. I think what, twenty or thirty thousand mustaches there that they were giving out to all the fans. It was big Minshew they were doing. They've been rolling out the Minshew stuff and they just shut them down. Well and that's the crazy like- thing about this Gino is that is that they've gotten
2: the toughest part of their schedule out of their way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it was pretty stacked when you think about it. Zach mentioned it too. I mean he had all playoff teams, and You had the Texans and the Rams and the Seahawks and the Cowboys all in a row. The Jaguars, you thought you Atlanta know, was obviously the be Buccaneers better. can put up some points too. And now you got the Bears this week, man, for, you know, it's kind of like one of those things where you look at the schedule before the season starts and you're like, man, the schedule makers, you know, you know a lot of times you'll hear, man, you know, what did uh, the Raiders do to piss off the schedule makers or this team or that team? You had to be looking at the schedule and saying, this is a really tough start to the season on the flip side you we are able to get through it, and now even won cards the Falcons
1: a couple times. You know, still you know, got the like pucks. You said, at The beginning of the year, those I thought we all thought the Falcons were going to be better. Yeah, everybody did. You know, and like, nobody thought they'd be this bad. I thought they would be battling for a wild card. Sure, you know, or right sure. in the mix, and they've just been miserable. So, uh, you, you want to take a quick break, and then we can uh, kind of transition in and get into exactly. our picks and stuff. Let's do it. Please stay
2: with us. We'll keep talking NFL right after this.
0: This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now back to this week's program
1: pretty crazy Mike uh, so far this year the NFL underdogs have been 55 35 and one against the spread uh, and 40 20 and one on the road generally that'll kind of start to even out anytime there's numbers that are, are that um, that off from the the mean but uh kind of crazy to see early well, you know on. I
2: think a part of that is maybe the um the world underestimates backup quarterbacks because we've had a lot yeah, of backup quarterbacks. No, and there's quarterbacks been a lot of changes. The the
1: there's been a lot of changes and a lot of. Um, I, I saw a stat somewhere the other day that was like a third of the league is starting or even more. Like mo- mo- I think sixteen of the thirty-two teams are starting a, t- a quarterback that has three years or less of experience. Mm-hmm. So we're not even talking. And then like I think eight. You know, we said there were like seven or eight that have changed just in the last month, month and a half from Andrew Luck when he started, you know, yep. right for the season. So yeah, there, you're right. There's, there's just a lot, maybe it's just not as much of a sample size for the numbers to be able to get good gauge. So maybe the numbers in general, are just a little bit off in some of them. Um, the, which is, let's which let's continue point.
2: on this thought process. And let me ask you a question as to what you think in terms of some of these quarterbacks that are starting to get healthy, you know, and, and we, you, you hinted at it uh, on the break. So the bears, are they better off? You know, with their with their backup or with their starter. How about the Panthers when Cam Newton gets healthy? You know, they're four and two. I didn't think they'd yeah. be four and two once. No, I Cam was out.
1: I've right? seen I've seen this in a few spots with Carolina and I, I would agree. Um Allen is is a much better choice than than a not one hundred percent Cam. If Cam is banged up and he is not 100% and he's not able to move a little bit and he doesn't have to run all the time, but just have the opportunity to run here and there to pick up a a first down on a third and six. Like, if he doesn't have that in his arsenal, you're better off with Allen. It's 100% on the health, I think, in particular for Cam because his legs are such a big part of the package with him. He's never been just a guy that's going to drop back and be such an, an, an unbelievable, incredible, accurate passer.
2: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. It's funny Wait, because we- I heard his name come up. You know, the, the NFL trade deadline is October 29th, and we saw, obviously, a big trade go down with uh, Jalen Ramsey coming over, Peters going over there, you know, going to Baltimore and Ramsey coming to the L.A., and uh, some people were kind of, talking about uh, realistic trade possibilities. And then they're kind of like, what do you think should happen? You know, kind of like Seattle should go after AJ Green because then they could have that deep threat for Russell Wilson and they'd be unstoppable. That type of talk. And uh, and I, I heard a commentator bring up Cam Newton and they were saying, you know what? Now that Allen is uh, kind of proving to be a, a pretty decent NFL quarterback, you know, what are your thoughts about trading the guy? And it kind of got me thinking, and then you mentioned it at the break, are the Bears better off with Trubisky or not? I don't know. I don't think either
1: option is that great in no, Chicago, think, anyways. And it's and it's it's kind of similar, in, in in the sense that Trubisky gives them a higher ceiling because Trubisky actually can move his feet very well too, and he can pick up first downs. He really was he did that really well last year towards the end of the year when he started to play really well, and he hadn't done that very much uh, at the beginning of the year so far. You know, just again, just. That's what we see with the guys who are able to really succeed right now, like Wilson when he's able to use his legs, Lamar who's had a good run the last, you know, year or so since he's been starting. It just keeps the defense on edge so much. Dak can do it, you know, pick up some first downs. The quarterbacks who've been playing really well, that's that's kind of the uh, the you know, that run option that they have. I mean, you look at we're talking about schedules coming up. Look at the Bears that, you know, they play in New Orleans coming up this week. Then they they play at home against the Chargers, who, yeah, they've struggled, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Chargers beat the Bears. And they're a then talented,
2: they, talented team.
1: Yeah, talented enough. If they get some of their they're um, they're missing. They're banged up. They're just injured. They're ton. Then they go at Philly. Home against Detroit. Who's better than you think? And then they play at the Rams. Who same thing. You know, the Rams have struggled. But that that's a five game stretch that it's not going to be easy coming up. So we'll see. I think higher ceiling with Trubisky, but maybe maybe you have like less of a floor. And and maybe less of a a wide margin with Daniel. Although Daniel wasn't really great against the Raiders, right? I mean, he's not like you said, the options, it's not like it's not like you're choosing um between one of the bet like I don't think Daniel is as good of a backup option as we've seen in some some of the other cases. Like even Minshew, who's who's been a really good backup option, he's gonna have some games where he struggles like he did against the Saints, but he's he hasn't been that much of a downgrade. Allen, who's been very good. You know, uh, we saw the same thing with uh the Giants with Jones with Danny Dimes coming in too. You know he he's been an upgrade, obviously. No, I think, I think the I only t-
2: only teams that truly it was it was just really noticeable uh, were the Jets. Darnold yes. to to the next two guys is is just like. Nine day difference. And then with the Steelers losing Big Ben, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I think the Steelers, uh, if if they finished up eight and eight, I think it would be a huge, huge win for them. You know, and I man, think realistically, this looks like a six and 10, seven and nine season for a team. The AFC is that bad. A lot of people had high h- high hopes for, you
1: know? The AFC is bad, Mike, too. Like, w- we could get an eight and eight team in the playoffs in the AFC as possibly even a wild card. I mean, the, yeah, they,
2: well, they here's the top thing tier,
1: it's not th- good. No, and if you look at it, the only, okay,
2: remove New England from everything that we're going to say for the next two minutes. So, the uh, only team that's got just one loss, you know, outside of New England, like I said, is the Buffalo Bills. Yep. And the Bills still have the Dolphins, and, you know, they have a lot of Dolphins and Jets coming up, and... And they, they have a, a, you know, a last place or a second to last place type of schedule. You know, uh, they don't have a tough schedule is the, really the bottom line with that. And, uh, you know, I, I think that New England and, and Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, are really the only, yeah, probably the only two teams where it's going to be kind of like there's going to be some distance, you know, that they feel pretty good about their their playoff chances. After that, man. Yeah, I mean, you're probably going to have a lot of nine and seven, ten and six teams fighting.
1: Think how much, a lot, a
2: lot of those.
1: Yep. There's, think how much is will change every every two to three weeks. It will every two to three weeks. Like our our perspective completely changes on a lot of these teams, right? Like just two it, weeks ago, it definitely the teams it definitely were will. okay, We're okay, and now they've lost two in a row, and they got a tough game coming up tonight. I actually think they'll bounce back tonight. And it's like a lot of public money's coming on the Chiefs when it's a weird situation when so much public money's coming on. But the line is moving towards Denver because this line opened up at like the Chiefs minus four and a half. And then it went from four and a half to four to three and a half. And now it's down to three. And they have some injuries. But I still don't think like Denver is quite as good or as well coached as Indy or as Houston uh, who are, you know, that whole AFC South, like. I think there are three decent teams. I think the Texans struggle. You look at the ASC North, Cleveland continues to shoot themselves in the foot, and Baltimore has won, but they've beat up some bad teams. Like Baltimore, the Chiefs and the Texans could all very easily lose this week and go to four and three. I mean Wouldn't that be so very easily. They could. Baltimore plays at Seattle, Houston plays at Indy, and the Chiefs play at Denver. Like those are all three very losable games. You know, and they could all be four and that would make things even crazier.
2: Sure. Sure. I mean, it's, here's the thing, you know, um, the Raiders <laughs> have a chance to be first place
1: by the end of this NFL. Well, week. I know a lot. That mo- that line has moved, man. That line went from seven and it's down to like five in a lot of places. A lot of people like the Raiders in that game. They've had a bye. Um, they've been kind of waiting for a while. And so far and, this
2: year, teams coming off byes have done
1: really well. And Green Bay's had a short week. They yep. played Monday night. And it's another instance where Green Bay, I, I think overall... Is one of the the more like well-rounded teams I do I do think, but they've been pretty lucky with a lot of their game scripts. And again, the other night they were really the benefit the beneficiary. And you know we haven't talked a whole lot about the officiating, and I know you in particular. And I don't even really like blaming like one call in a game, right? Like if there's one call throughout the game, you know there's a lot of plays that happen in any game that can go back and forth. Generally, it's not one call, but when there's two or three or four or five calls that's a little different you know why, why, why do you think why do you
2: think the level of officiating it's worse than ever gone been. down Is it is it really is is it possibly that it hasn't gone down? I think it's but that just we just have
1: such good HD and such good so many different cameras that we're able to see more, or has it actually gone down? Do you think? I'm doing I'm I'm not kidding my like I'm doing the rewatches as I go back and I and every the first four games I'm watching, like from last week. On the Thursday night game, the Patriots-Giants, there was an absolute mugging of Golden Tate that they challenged for an OPI that did not get called for an OPI. And that's what's become really frustrating. It's that I'm okay when we don't have replays and reviews. But when when there's a mistake and they have the opportunity, whether it's because it's a scoring play or whether it's a stoppage of play or whether because the play is challenged or whatever, to go back and correct their mistakes and they don't like out of just plain stubbornness. That's all it is. That is all it is.
2: I mean, is is it, is is it something like one so far that's been checked out has been overturned? So uh, why didn't they just say, you know what? That no more reviews for the pass interference until the playoffs. Yeah. Like why are they even bothering
1: with it right now? It's, it's crazy. I mean, and I, like I, we'll get to the picks in just a second. We only have maybe five minutes left or so, but like the Browns, for example, and I'm saying this is I backed the Browns last week. So I, I, watched all the game when I was watching and I, I rewatched it again just to like see okay okay was I off what happened here there were about and the Browns have been really undisciplined through the first you know 5 weeks sure. of the season yep. so they've kind of built themselves this reputation there were 5 plays this weekend that were not penalties that call, got called on them not one not two, I'm talking 5 There was a horrendous call on a clip on Landry that was like the most clean straight up block ever. They had a pass interference call and a defensive holding call that were not even close. And so it's like third and nine, and then they get an automatic first down. And it's like, that's just demoralizing. That happens to you three times in a game. That's different than one bad call. And we've seen like, I I don't, it's never been as bad and it's, I, in my opinion, in the last five years, as I've been watching like this much, all the games repeatedly, betting, fantasy, everything, these last few weeks have been horrendous. And I yeah, and, and you know what? But you
2: point. know what? You make a good point. I mean, over the years, I think really remember that game. Uh, what was it? Packers in Seattle, where there was that uh, yeah, hail mary, you know, there was whatever. Dez
1: won one of the years. Yeah, yeah, I think
2: really since that point in time until now, it's progressively gotten worse, and then now it just snowballed and and gotten really bad. I think there are a few different reasons about that. And I know people talk a lot of times about the employment status of referees and, you know, full, t- should they be full-time year round paid as such? So on and so forth. I think that's a part of it. I think a part of it also is that there have been so many rule changes in NFL, you know, Nobody they you yeah, yeah. What's a catch? What's not a catch? Pass interference, you know, holding, we're calling holding too much, not enough, you know, back to pass interference again, back to redefining the catch again, there, you know, um, Protecting the quarterback, now they have to look for guys that are taking off their helmet, even if it's a scratch of their eye. You know, I mean, there's so many different things. A lot of them ticky-tacky. We went from, you know, penalties for celebrating to no penalties for celebrating to now you could do in-sync dance coordinating. Uh, It's just just gotten really chaotic when it comes to NFL refereeing, and I think it's kind of uh, of embarrassing for a sport that is uh, such a huge enterprise to be uh, not having a good grasp on this. I think, Gino, it's a time for the eye in the sky, right? Yeah. You have something, a mechanism for somebody in a centralized location. Shit, I mean, I don't know all the rules. You don't know all the rules, but I bet you, you and I can identify if in 10 seconds, oh, that wasn't a penalty. Oh, wait, they should go back and look at that. No, pick up your flag,
1: right? And it, you you got to imagine
2: people that are actual experts with all of the rules inside out could be able to see it in a matter of seconds. Well, and the they rules just experts are
1: starting out. to call them out now. Like yeah. The, the, the Blandino and the Pereira yeah. and stuff are like really disagreeing with a lot of them. Sure. Almost all
2: the you time know how I'm easy down. it would be, Gino, to, to, to send them a little, you know, a signal, pick up your flag. Boom. Boom. That's it. Pick that's up. It. No, there was no flag here. No that's flag it. on the defense. And you move on. Wrong. Right. Or, Simple hey, you earpiece. missed you missed on eighty nine on offensive clip, personal foul, whatever.
1: It, it shouldn't be such an individual; like it's a team effort. You know they're embarrassed about making mistakes and and like you know that that's that just messed up. Uh, I think we really, only have a few really minutes, so we got to rattle through. Let me give you my uh, my plays. I'm going to go three this week. I'm going to have a Lions. I'm going to play the Lions money line. I think you can find this at plus two in some places now. Okay. I'm going to go the Colts minus one at home. They're playing the Texans. Plus I two meaning two bit. to
2: one or a plus two hundred, right?
1: Or they're, they're, I think they're plus two points. Oh, plus, plus two, points. two okay. points. So I think you can uh, play plus two and, okay. the, and the money line uh, okay. either way. So I'll, I'll play a little on both. And then I'm going to go Baltimore, Seattle over 48 and a half. I'm going to wait. I, I, like, I like 48 and a half. I'll play a little bit on that. And then if it gets down to 48, I definitely play because that's, that's the number I like. So okay. three for me.
2: Okay. For me, it's Seattle minus three, Dallas minus three, Tennessee minus two and a half, Detroit getting a point and a half. Obviously, the the theme here is home teams. So once yep. again, Seattle, Dallas, Detroit, Tennessee. I think they're all winners. We're I on think the they Detroit win together.
1: Spreads. Yep, we're on the Detroit win together. So uh, I think after last week, it was what I was twelve and twelve, and you were what I think just one game under five hundred total. Yep, game under five hundred. So time to turn things around. Yep. Um, you'd been
2: fantastic up until this uh, just last one bad week. week. We'll bounce back. You know, yep. toss that out. I mean, I think that those weeks two to to five were like super impressive on your end. Get things back on track. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to Zach Wood for calling in and joining us on today's program. We'll be here same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone.